Hey Carl, just wanted to call in and tell you my experience with PVP. I hate PVP. I feel as though in a game when players are not asked if they want to do it or you don't realize it's part of the game, it becomes one bully trying to go after everyone else. And I think we have way too much of that in this world as it is. I don't find it fun when I'm supposed to be having fun in a game and having recreation to come in contact with that. If I know a game is PvP and it's it's involved but it's not it's not something that is aggressive, I'll do it. Like when I played in Forget About It. That was fine. There's been some PvP here and there in other games I've played in, but I stopped playing Worlds of Warcraft because of it. I just can't get past the fact that people find it fun to attack others. Anyways, that's my two cents. Welcome to the Geomologist Presents. That was my lovely wife, Amy Lee, at the top of the show, giving her comments on PvP. And like she said, she can enjoy PvP if there is an expectation of PvP. She has played with Eric Lamaru in Wise Guys, his Forget About It scenario at uh, ChupacabraCon. And she's played some stuff run by, I think it was Aces and Eights, run by Jason Connerly, where her expectation was that it was every every criminal ne'er-do-well for themselves, and she did well, she enjoyed it. But I guess, uh, like you heard her, she doesn't like it when it's just a person out to get another person uh, without any hint of expectation, or if there is an expectation for a team play, that a person does not do it. So that's what this show is about. I have feedback from Jason Connerly and Joe Richter on my last episode. And there might be comments about episodes behind uh, beyond that, but I'm not sure. But I'm going to play their comments and then comment on them. So thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy this episode of The Geomologist Presents. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Hey Carl, Jason here, listening to your latest episode. So I'm having to stop because I'm at work now, so I only got through the Star Wars recap and I will listen to the rest on the way home tonight. But thank you so much for answering my questions. I really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun in Reaver. Can't wait for the next session. Um, we'll, we'll see if Laszlo is one command of the Skull Tribe now that he, you know, through trial by combat, by beating their, their leader. That, that might prove interesting. And, and the Red Priests might not appreciate all of a sudden losing their this tribe that they thought was their allies. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe that's just my head fiction. Um, 
yeah, it's interesting inserting fanfic into games. I've done that too. And players do seem to appreciate it. Um, that might be a whole discussion on its own. Uh, as far as Star Wars goes, you know, I've only ever played West End games, D6 Star Wars. I, I do want to try with the narrative dice sometime just to check it out. I was a little confused during your um, recap, though, because you kept talking about Clone Wars. And the only Clone Wars I remember were, you know, spoiler for the novels, when they cloned Jedis and then they went insane. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, I'll listen to the rest of the show. I'm sure I'll have some call-ins on PvP because that's a complicated subject. So thank you for putting out a new podcast, and thank you for it being long enough that I can listen to some on the way to work and some on the way home. Talk to you later. Hey, Carl, Jason here, giving you feedback part two after listening to finishing your episode. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add to the PvP thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I will recluse myself from the... Aces and eights game that you're including as your bad. We'll let the other players comment on that since I was the GM. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you about your ugly, and that's definitely ugly. So there you go. Anyway, I, I hope you are able to podcast more frequently in the future. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Jason, thank you for the feedback. And, uh, well, at least one person called in to talk about that PvP situation in Aces and Eights. And, you know, we discussed it, and he said the other two players seemed to enjoy it. And I just was clueless, and maybe that's my fault for not reading the room. But sometimes I am like that. Um, and there you go. But I think in that case, had the expectation been known, and we've talked about it already, then, you know, the uh, it would have been okay and a good pvp because you know it's coming i don't know maybe that's it so um as far as reaver goes we did play an episode of reaver and the fighting continued um laszlo did not take over the skull tribe the bear tribe showed up there was a lot of fighting i think kudos to joe salvador for having all these moving parts and things going on uh, we did inflict a lot of damage to the enemy as we were reinforced by the Bear Tribe. I think it's a very exciting fight. We're all pretty beat up, though. Um, really low on resource. And we still haven't gotten to um, the the big bad of the of the fight, which are the, uh, the kind of Red Wizards, uh, the people who are carrying um, Joe Richter's character, Wolfgar's, uh, Terra Worm, Spear, the Spear of his Ancestors. Joe Richter did show up to the play, so that Wolfgar is his character. You'll hear him talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, but it was, it was actually very exciting. Uh, we learned some things. We got a, a bead on the uh, the leader of this group. I think uh, we've done some things both, uh, you know, both combat-wise and spellcasting-wise to turn the tide of the battle. And we'll see how it goes. But um, I don't know. It, it still is up in the air. And this is a really fun delve into Joe Salvador and his Spears in the Mist for Reaver role-playing game. I don't know what's going to come of it or if he's going to put it together um, into something. Or maybe that area will be put in together as to some sort of 
adventure locale, much like you did in the Reaver Quick Start, uh, which you can find on a drive through RPG. So it's uh, been really enjoyable, and that's the uh, game we played. So um, the other comment you had was about uh, inserting fanfic into games. I plan to continue to do that into Star Wars and let the players kind of be a part of it. Uh, they know the lore. They enjoy the lore um, from, I guess we're talking, uh, the where I said it. For those of you who know the Star Wars verse is... Uh, in one BBY before the Battle of Yavin, before the first Death Star is destroyed. So it's kind of, if you've been keeping up, listeners, not necessarily Jason, because Jason has a, a narrow view of his own canon for Star Wars. Um, no slight on him, that's his opinion. But I like the Falani and Favreau stuff. Um, I'm taking a lot of inspiration from Andor and from Rebels, um, which are really fantastic shows that I've enjoyed to really bring to light uh, what happened after Return of the Jedi and before um, Episode 7, The Force Awakens, which the more and more I think of The Force Awakens, the more consternation it gives me um, to how they thought that that Starkiller base actually made sense. But what the hell, it's J.J. Abrams. He screwed up the Star Trek universe as well. Um, Anyway probably no conception of physics and hyperspace and even sci-fi physics has some groundness in reality. Correct. Am I wrong in that? And um, yeah, based on galactic galactic distances established by Canon um, shooting from where the Starkiller base was on Elum apparently to Hoshin prime. That's, you know, millions of light years distance and uh yeah would have taken or sorry maybe not millions of light years many light years distance that it would have taken light to travel millions of years i know they said it went through hyperspace and blah 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 but how do you have like a merv laser thing i don't know it's weird whatever it's very strange not really explained but i don't know if that was the point everyone just accepts it because it's star wars who knows? Who knows? That's my Star Wars rant. I apologize for throwing that in there. Um, that's cool. So, so yeah, uh, thank you again, Jason, for the calls. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It'd be cool to get more feedback on PvP and what people think. Have they used it in their games? What, is, what has been the outcome? I like anecdotes. It's kind of fun that way. Uh, we have Joe Richter coming up to give us some more feedback on that PvP thing. Yo, Carl, nice to hear you back, man. Always good to hear a new episode from the GMologist. Uh, so as far as the Reaver game goes, you said that Wolfgar is played by me, Joe Richter. Uh, I, is that right? <laughs> I played him a couple times, but because of my work schedule and the time of that game, I've missed so many sessions. It's it's hard for me to say that I play that character. I, it's more of a joint operation between me and Joe, mostly Joe uh, Joe Salvador, the Raven God, but that game is totally awesome, man. That that fight sounds amazing. 
Uh, it'll be interesting because I should be able to make this next session. So now that Wolfgar gave himself up as a hostage and he's all tied up, that'll be fun to figure out what I'm going to do. Uh, you talked about the fight between Laszlo and the chief being like the fight between the mountain and the sand reaver from, or sand snake or whatever from game of Thrones. And you were talking about how, uh, the fight with Laszlo was better because, and I thought you were going to say because it was fun and interesting and well done. Uh, but you talked about how Martin cheated. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, those books. I never watched the show. I never watched the show. I read all the books and I was not impressed. <laughs> so why did I keep reading them? I don't know. I had some friends that were reading them at the time. I read them all. Uh, and yeah, not nah, mm, anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So you're talking, uh, Jason, you're getting ready to talk about PVP. I haven't listened to that part, so there might be another message. I've never seen it work out well. So I'm excited to hear you said you had a good example of when it did work out well. I don't like it at all because I've never had a good experience with it as a game master or as a player. It's happened more to me as a game master than as a player. Uh, but yeah, that'll be cool to listen to. And as far as players reading the adventure that they're playing in, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> Just don't, man. Like Jason pointed out, if you've already read it, that's one thing. But if you seek it out, that sucks. And there's also something that happened in a recent game of mine, I was running a fight. The fight was getting pretty, pretty dicey. And one of the players just said, oh, well, it talks about here in basically what amounted to the DMG of the game we were playing. Oh, there are these alternative rules right here. Can we use those? That'll help me in the middle of a fight. Uh, and that that took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that because... Like I said, that was basically in the DMG, not in the players' books, but in the DMG were these alternative rules, and we never talked about using them, and he just brought it up in the middle of a fight, and it, it, it kind of annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> it kind of annoyed me, because I don't like being like, no, you know, so I was like, sure, fine, let's do it, that's cool. But yeah, even that, I you know, don't read stuff you're not supposed to read if you're playing in the game. That's all I got to say. Okay, I've got to hear about some good PvP. I'm sure there'll be another message. Peace out. Okay, so here's my part two about the PvP. That this, the, the PvP that you talked about in your Warhammer campaign, that, that's a different story, right? Technically, that is PvP. But it was in a tournament. They just happened to get to each other. Everybody was on board with it. That's totally cool. I would have no problem with something like that. Um, I'm glad that it went well. Because, uh, you know, I'm on record as really disliking Warhammer Fantasy, the RPG. <laughs> but again, that comes down to the the GM that I had for it. Um and as far as the other the other circumstances you mentioned, you know, there the one that you talked about at the uh, at the convention where the player cast a spell that he knew they knew would kill everybody else except for them. And they had a lot of fun. That player sucks. That's an asshole move to do uh, at a convention. You're playing with a bunch of strangers. So I I guess you don't care what they think. I don't know, man. Personally, I would be on my best behavior 
when playing with strangers as opposed to how big of a jackass can I be, which is what that player did. That sucks. I, I hate that. Um, <laughs> that's why I don't like PvP. When, it, when it's in a situation like the first part you talked about where, like we said, in the tournament, that's cool, man. That's fun. That's part of the game. That's in the flow of the game. That's in the spirit of the game. That's in the spirit of camaraderie and competition and cooperation. But that other stuff, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't like it. I don't think it works well. Uh, it leads to far more problems than fun. <laughs> you know, as you pointed out, that one player had a blast. I'm sure that was super fun for them to kill everybody and win and be awesome. But yeah, screw that guy. <laughs> screw that guy to forever. Um, so yeah, not a fan of PvP. It's generally mean-spirited. Um, you know, you talked about the brothers that we we have talked about that before, your Pendragon campaign. Uh, we've totally talked about that quite a bit because I just think that's such an asshole move to do. <laughs> Seriously, man. Uh, but yeah, you know, your examples are the chief examples of why I don't like PvP. But you did supply me with the example of where PvP can be fun and cool and awesome. So thank you for that, man. That was really neat. Uh, anyway, dude, that's it. Have a good day and I'll talk to you later. Peace out. Hey, Joe, thank you for the calls. And, uh, well, I'm so glad that you got to play Reaver with us this last time. I, I really enjoy the system. I like how it kind of makes you work. But when you succeed, uh, it's very satisfying. I think case in point, like when you were tied up and you're trying to break out, and it took a while. But uh, we had, you know, buffs going on, my character singing the war song. So when you finally, <laughs> when you're able to, even though bound, fight back against your captor, uh, and it went it went pretty well. I, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. And I think that's a, definitely the beauty of the system. Uh, it makes you feel heroic, but you also have to work to be heroic. So it, it's kind of got it's kind of a really good balance because of the die chain system and the tests of whatever. Um, a good balance between you know, standing on, on a pile of bodies and feeling that your character is competent and, and, and being risk and that skin of your teeth. And I really like how Joel Salvador has put that together. Uh, it's unfortunate you don't like Game of Thrones. Um, I feel like I feel like the, the original book, maybe the second one were good. And then after that, I don't know what happened. And obviously he's not finished, although there's always rumors that Winds of Winter is almost done. But that was like a year ago. Maybe again, another post. He, James, George R. R. Martin said at a convention, it's almost done. It's almost done. But I mean, it's kind of because of what the, uh, the the series did, the HBO series did and finished it all. Maybe he has no incentive to finish it. Maybe he doesn't want to change it. Even though it already diverged, the series from the, the books uh, diverged um, somewhat um, already. All, to, based on his original work, the show diverged, even though that original work was was out there. All right, so I don't know. Uh, give and take. I, you know what's really fun is actually the Song of Ice and Fire uh, role playing game, and I've I've tried it. Um, I think I've tried to run it twice. Uh, the first one we went pretty far, and uh, the, 
I, we really enjoyed the system. One of the funnest things was to make the house that you get to make your house and see how it's related to the great houses. Um, that's really fun. Uh, we really learned how deadly not just combat was, but social combat. There's mechanics for social combat uh, that you have to abide by uh, success or defeat in social combat. And if you do not, well, there are consequences uh, to the point of death. And that happened in a campaign. We also learned that armor is very important in that game, which makes sense. Um, it definitely has a... What I like, I like game systems where um, it's harder to fight multiple opponents. Uh, Pendragon does that really well, as does um, a Song of Ice and Fire role-playing game. Uh, so we got we, we got to like the Pike Rebellion, the the sort of the way that the RPG works. It's, it's before the events of the novels, and uh, Robert Baratheon is still on the throne. Uh, so we did the Pike Rebellion. We were up to the Pike Rebellion, and in the middle of an adventure set therein, but then it kind of people moved on, fell apart. The second time I tried to run it, we got to the house making stage and played like one adventure. And it was, what was cool is that they were a, a Stark uh, Bannerman house. And there was definitely a connection to the, uh, the heroes who went to the tower of joy and knew about uh, um, Ned Stark's uh, uh, liaison, so to speak. Um, so it would have been cool to, have the player characters figure that out um, and try to recover a dragon, a dragon glass sword or something like that. Um, and a horse maybe, or maybe the horse, only, only the horse came back. I think that was it, but not the dragon glass sword, something like that. Dragon steel sword, uh, glass swords, whatever dragons. Anyway. Yeah. So that's a uh, game of Thrones. Joe, you could probably skip over this last few minutes if you care um hey joe be cool to hear some uh, pvp examples of how things didn't go well when you were gming or as playing um it's very interesting you did um talk about you didn't talk about you mentioned some but you didn't talk about them it'd be cool to hear about them and uh i agree with you reading the adventure I, that's really killed one of my campaigns too i i love see i'm like i'm living vicariously through you and your wrath of the righteous group because I got to a point where you're almost at in Wrath of the Righteous and uh, a player who had read ahead and then told people what was coming ahead in game, it, during the game, much like if it would have been like spoilers, like you're playing on a video game, I kind of ruined it for everyone. And it really pissed some of the players off and so much so they didn't want to play the game anymore, didn't want to play with him specifically. But, you know, maybe I'll pick it up with that. I know one of the players I still talk to is in one of my regular, one of my, my home group now, and maybe he wants to pick up from book three. And that point, um, he had a really awesome character who was a paladin um, and, uh, and they're fighting a pretty nasty, nasty creature uh, in that particular game, that particular um, book, which I won't spoil because I know some of your listeners listen to my podcast. Some of your players listen to my podcast, but uh um, yeah, it'd be great to pick it up. That's awesome that you guys have finished book two. I look forward to hearing more. I don't like that a player would bring that kind of rule up or rules. I don't mind rules questions. Sometimes I make mistakes. That's fine. But as a player, I know I've been I've been better, especially since when I play, it's usually like live stream. And I don't I bite my tongue and I don't kind of want to say anything or or point out a rules foible by the GM during the course of play. I'll, we bring it up later 
I think that's kind of a concession um, or a convention that we've learned to have with this particular group of players on this particular live stream. And the GM is fine with that, but we don't want to, you know, why ruin this product, right? Be nice. Um, as far as changing rules mid-session, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like that. I, um, I think it's different than rules questions um, or rules mistakes. And I feel like the kind of ground rules, if you're using you know, an alternate book or an alternate set of rules, should be established beforehand. Now, you could talk about changing them in between sessions, I would think. Um, so I'm sorry that you went, you had to go through that or that it, it definitely made you uncomfortable. I know you're a nice guy. And, and like you said, you let it happen. But I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't know how you uh, would reel a player in like that to do that. But uh, I think things like of that nature, if you're going to wholesale decide we're going to change the way things are, things are going, even though we've been playing this way. So and a good example uh, here would be so in. In the latest Warhammer Fantasy book, now I'm delving into Warhammer Fantasy for you, Joe Richter, because I know it's your favorite game that you haven't played when I've been GMing yet. And maybe one of these days you might, I don't know, have to figure something out. I know we're very busy and have, have very opposing schedules. In any case, so like in the new book, Up in Arms, there's a different way to do something called Advantage, whereby when you're doing an exchange of, of attacks, the person who wins, whether they're defending or attacking, gets a bonus, a plus one, but plus 10 bonus on their next attack. And you can accumulate advantage so that you kind of press the attack, press the attack, press the attack. And always there's a favorable outcome in an exchange of combat worlds. So uh, apparently there's a way that they're cha they changed it in up in arms where it's a group pool of advantage. And I know I, don't, I wouldn't want to change that mid midway in a session and it would definitely have to be a discussion um between sessions and i doubt because there's two players who are very good martially and would not want to give up their advantage pool although maybe it's because they have so much um that they would it'd be beneficial to the whole group to give up through their advantage pool so so who knows um maybe it's something to discuss so speaking of warhammer campaign well, let me get to that in a second. Let me talk about the Pendragon that you um, mentioned already here. And actually, I was talking to uh, Jason Connerly, and he said hey, it would, would be kind of cool to talk to those players now some, is it 20 years? Almost 20 years later and see what they thought of what they did <laughs> and what they do it again and why they did it. Like, why did the brother... Why did the brother stab the other brother in the back? I know it's a game. I know there's probably sibling rivalry. But why did it manifest in the game? Was it something that the other player did? Um, the player who the player who rose to power in the game, his player character rise to, rose to power in the game, was notoriously smug. Um, so maybe that was part of it. It was back in the '90s. That was kind of the thing. We're all in college, you know, a bunch of twenty-somethings uh, who partied hard during the weekend and played D&D uh, &D and other games during the week. I think there was one summer where we went out every night or gamed. So, uh, yeah, maybe that was the summer of, uh, what summer was that? The summer of 94? One of those. Anyway, long time ago, maybe um, before some of you who listened were born, but 
kind of interesting nonetheless. But it'd be, I think Jason's right. Maybe I should go back and talk to those guys and, and see what they think of what they did. That'd be kind of fun. Um, in any case, the Warhammer campaign. So that is, so I didn't really game a lot this past week. I, I mentioned some Reaver and how I feel how well that went. And then we, I played, oh, surprisingly, I guess before I get to Warhammer, I keep teasing. Before I get to Warhammer, I did. So on our on Sunday, I've uh, been running an ongoing Jackals campaign. We're in the third year of like a nine-year campaign. We just kind of take it a break for the, you have like a like a winter phase, a la Pendragon, or in between time, a kind of a downtime uh, in between seasons in Jackals. So we decided to take a break as a group. But the group is only myself, Darren Green, who you know as Rfed on the Discords, and my wife, uh, Amy Lee. And uh, they said, well, what do you want to play? They left it up to me, and I decided to try to run some... some. I think we decided on Savage Worlds as a rule set, but I have a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff that I wanted to get to the table or other stuff. And we, I decided on Savage Worlds Rifts. I've never played in the Rifts first. I have a... I have the Palladium stuff, you know, some collections of Palladium stuff, like, like uh, Rifts of Vampires and Vampire Kingdoms, two of my favorite places to maybe play in Rifts. Um, so I, I've had, I did the Savage Worlds Rifts. I got the box set, and I've gotten some other books, um, some local authors, uh, Sean and Robin uh, Tate Bircher. They live uh, near. They live in San Antonio, and they've done some some things for it. And I have some signed copies of some of the the, uh, um, the follow-up books uh, in the Savage World Rifts collection. In any case, uh, we played Savage World Rifts, and it went really well, uh, surprisingly well. Um, we really enjoyed it. I really like how they deal with players who have mega damage and mega armor versus players who do not. Um, I like it. Effectively, everyone has a capability to do mega damage and those who don't normally have it naturally because of magic or technology, like a, a glitter boy or a, a cyborg, for example, um, or a dragon um, or a, a high powered uh, mystic or scion, then, you know, you, you have, you're more skilled. You start at, at seasoned. So you have more skills, you can do more things. And you also probably have, can have a vehicle. You have a chance to, to get a vehicle, and vehicles do uh, have mega armor and mega damage. They might not do as much as like a glitter boy, uh, but they're but it's it does it. It makes it so that the player characters don't feel impotent when they go up against uh, creatures um, that or vehicles um, that have hardened armor, which I think is pretty cool. And everyone has a capability uh, to do that. So what I did have Darren and Amy do is have like a. Uh, and they each did. They had like a mega damage dealer and a, and a, and a Mars character, so a, um, a kind of a regular regular character who was seasoned but had, was more skilled. So like uh, Amy's playing a Cyber Knight as her mega damage dealer, and a City Rat as her Mars character. Um, that's like mercenary, um, academic, etc. Uh, some specialist, a uh, researcher specialist. And then Darren has a, a burner, uh, like a like a fire starter on on crack character, a fire dancer um, who can deal out a lot of damage. And it's mega damage, can create you know a shroud of mega armor, 
and then also has a, an operator who has a vehicle. So yeah, both the city rat, Amy city rat, and uh, Darren's operator both have vehicles that can shoot and do mega damage. So so pretty cool. We we had one combat and then a lot of role playing and then some uh, recon. So we'll continue, I guess, in a couple weeks and see how that goes. So um, so yeah, I think it went surprisingly well. It's a good game. I'm looking forward to it. We play Sunday mornings, if any of you listeners are available, every other Sunday. And then uh, Warhammer. So even though we got the Illustria book and people are going, oh, let's play Illustria, we're trying to finish the Enemy Within campaign. We're almost done, really almost done, with um, the power behind the throne where the players seek to save the city of Middenheim from some nefarious plot. It has something to do with taxes against dwarves, priests, and wizards. They feel that it's linked to one of the chaos gods, and they finally, they also discovered this last time um, that, well, people are onto them. So they've been asking a lot of questions. They've been talking to various peoples, and then um, so the the powers that or the powers behind the throne, the ones that are part of this plot, are starting to work against the player characters. Um, so one, so after they're celebrating after their victory, and uh, in the Blood Bowl uh, games in their quarterfinal, and the semifinal I think is the next day, and then um, here late at night um, while they're celebrating at, at their their tavern the city watch comes and accuses and one of the players is player characters their character one of the players the player character has been accused of murder um it's pretty grisly and 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 uh they fortunately he goes quietly because the players are like this makes no sense um but they're good with it that one player goes quietly and the rest of the players go to investigate they found out find out a lot of things a lot of it dealing, uh, saying that it was definitely not their one-armed, uh, the one-armed player character. There's no way you could have done what, how the scene would look or what was described. They also suspect that the person who was allegedly killed um, might not be dead. And then they track, they track that uh, the remains of this person, uh, a mutant that um, one of the player characters has been dealing with to try to find out about the plot this mutant still as a still thinks that the player character is this um magister in the cult um named caster liberung so he's been playing that up so they track this down into the sewers they find the like the in a way the disembodied head of the person the mutant that was killed and they it's pretty disgusting and they decide well Maybe we shouldn't be dealing with this chaos spawn. So they destroy it. Um, they then hear noise in the sewers. And um, yeah, there's a big fight. And they discover their skaven underneath Middenheim for some reason, which is curious. They found some leads and some hooks to pursue where the skaven are coming from or who they're working for. So uh, it was good. I actually ran it, I think... I ran it pretty well in that the guy who was in, I did try to kill the guy who was sent to prison, but he, uh, it was cool that he had put some points uh, in between because they get XP every session into some of his stats to improve his toughness. So I tried to poison his character and he made his role, which I thought was cool. And then because uh, they were working with the watch, 
the player character sent the captain of the watch, who they become befriended uh, during the course of play, back to the prison to release their guy. And then they they tracked uh, they they heard some noise. And they I, I I kind of made it so that they met they met and were able to both fight against the Skaven in the sewers. The Skaven are rat men um, in the Warhammer verse. So it was a pretty satisfying session. Uh, it seems like trapezing through the sewers is a common occurrence in the Warhammer verse, and especially for this, these heroes. So I uh, hope to continue. I have another game, the semifinal game today, um, for a blood in their Blood Bowl tournament. It's part of Carnival, and now they've definitely gotten the attention of, um, of some of, of the powers, the power behind the throne, who's trying to start this plot. So hopefully they will pursue that. We will see. We'll see if they, they have enough time to to pursue the leads and the adventure and and compete in the various events of the carnival. Um, so there you go. So, hey, well, you know, I've been rambling here for some 20 minutes and I've given you a few other anecdotes on top of the, uh, the calls that you've received. So I'm going to call it and close it here. So thank you so much for listening to The Geomologist Presents. I hope you've enjoyed it. I definitely hope that you give some feedback, maybe some comments to to Amy or to Jason or to Joe and any other comments that anyone might have about PvP and RPGs, uh, what they think, any anecdotes they have, any advice that they might have to how it could work, how you can make it a good experience. I think, I think that's the goal, right? Hey, if people want a PvP, how do we make it a good experience for everyone at the table? I think that is is a goal. What are the expectations? How do you lay those out? I think that would be kind of cool. And you can send me feedback um, either by recording a message and sending it as a direct message to me on the various Discord channels that I'm at, or you know, direct message to me, not on the Discord channel. You can I have a speak pipe. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, you can attempt to leave me a message on the Spotify for Podcasters website because they don't have a direct button yet. But hey, I did I did uh, do a survey, and I said, hey, it'd be great if you put that button back. Maybe they'll listen, but probably they won't. I don't know. They'd rather have you do analytics, which I said were useless. So let's put the button back. Let's have more interaction. Anyways, if you want to comment about this, hey, drop me a line. Let me know. The intro and outro music is by TJ Drennan. My wife, Amy Lee, does the cover clip art. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Geomologist Presents. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon.